It's time once again to join us for Movie Mastery. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to join Jeff and John as they dive deep into your suggestions for movies. They don't know what they're going to watch until they watch it. And here's Jeff. That is very movie announcer style. I'm very proud of you. You're doing good there. Yeah, it's very good. Now, I'm can you say, pleased. can you give me an in a world? In a world. How about in a land? In a land. Okay, yeah, those are pretty good. I'm happy with both of those, too. Yeah, good. Yeah. Can, you, can, I, can I get a one man? One man. Oh, dude, so good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, could you, uh, really quick, just off the top of your head, give me the uh, trailer for Goonies. <laughs> I don't know the trailer for Goonies. Just make one up. Ah, uh, in a land where things are closing down, one group of kids must band together to stop these evil thieves and save their town. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty solid. I'm very happy with it. I was trying to remember which Cindy Lauper song I should try to sing along in the background, and it didn't come to my head. In uh, time. It's Goonies are yeah, good enough. I know, and it, it, it's the one that goes, I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that one, but I don't remember any of the lyrics to it. Goonies are good enough. Really, that's the actual lyrics. Good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the part I know. <laughs> you don't know. You know what? That's the part I know, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I believe you now. <laughs> so this is Movie Mastery. Josh Brolin will get pulled by a car. <laughs> Watch as Josh Brolin gets almost murdered in this fun, exciting adventure. There are so many people that are going to wind up famous out of this, and at least one who's going to wind up crazy off his fucking tits. <laughs> This is our time down here. <laughs> Jonathan Kwan in one of the two movies he'll ever do. I'm done. <laughs> I retire. Thank you. Thanks. I'm done. That was it. <laughs> this and Indiana Jones. Uh, so, yeah, it's movie mastery time. We yeah. watched a movie. I am desperate to talk about Goonies instead because... Because Goonies is a movie that you could watch. It's got hooks of any kind. It's not just a, a lozenge of nothing that lasts about 80 minutes. <laughs> Oh, man, that is... We watched Moontrap... What was the next? Target Earth. Oh, Target Earth, which makes it sound like someone's going to attack Earth, but really... Nothing's nothing going to happen. Happens. Yeah, <laughs> in instead of that, nothing. So we rolled Moontrap, for some reason, on the moon big list. Trap? Moon trap? Moontrap? Moon top? <laughs> moon god? <laughs> for some reason... Why is it always John Reese davies voice for that? <laughs> I don't know. He just seems like the kind of person that should be going, Moon god? He, I mean, because he's like a devout Christian. Like, <laughs> like more devout than anyone else in the cast of like Lord of the Rings, for example. Oh, yeah. Probably Sliders, too. I'm pretty sure on any given cast that John Reese davies is in, he's the one everyone else hates. Oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, someone sent it a long time ago, and I'm sorry to whoever sent these to us, sent us the DVDs and Blu-rays for uh, Moontrap 1 and Moontrap 2. Yes. Uh, now, at the time, I didn't even have a Blu-ray player, so they just sat unused. <laughs> yeah, it was just sitting there going like, oh, did we roll that? Well, unfortunately, we have no way to play it. Well, they, uh, yeah, uh, until eventually I did manage to acquire a PS4 through some scavenging, and now it's now it actually I, I can play the, the uh, Blu-rays I own. Uh, when we rolled it, it just said Moontrap 1 or 2 on the on the thing, and I was like, all right, first one I find. <laughs> That's the first one I get to. Because that, that happened well before the baby, and so the DVD collection has been moved and reorganized a, about a dozen times. Oh, yeah. Well, Moontrap Target Earth was the one I could find first, so we watched the second one. Now, I've, I, I, John, I've seen the first Moontrap. Have you? Yes. Uh, I think okay. I, I forget if it was a Mystery Science Theater or a Rift Tracks, but it, it has been... I want to... 
go ahead and guess yeah. that this movie that we watched mm-hmm. has literally nothing to do with the first oh, one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, here, here's what's basically happening in the first Moon Trap. Uh, Chekhov from Star Trek gets killed with a lightsaber. <laughs> well, that's good. And I, when I mean kill with a lightsaber, I mean like a lightsaber goes through him and then the hand holding it comes through him as well. <laughs> Yeah, because that's what you use it for. Uh-huh. You're like, I've got this cool laser sword, and now I'm going to punch you through the chest. Yeah, Moon Trap's about, like, space truckers and an evil plan and a laser and stuff. It's it's a much more traditional, low-budget sci-fi thing, where this is a very traditional, low-budget, thinky sci-fi thing. Yeah. Man, it really felt like this movie was trying to go for, oh, we've got, like, a cool, intricate plot that, like, will tie together the past and the present and all of these various threads. But you're like, no, what you have here is people just moving as slowly as they possibly can. Yeah, to stretch the movie out. And I kept expecting for this thing to end with, like, based on a novel by either Heinlein or, you know, Philip K. Dick or something. This is loosely based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? In that it's somewhat sci-fi a little bit. (laughs) In that we included... I don't know, anything at all? Yeah, there's people in it. Therefore, it's definitely based on Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. There you go. Mm-hmm. We've got a strange land here. Uh-huh, and we've got a starship trooper of some kind, so it's based on that. <laughs> no, I was fully expecting that, but because uh, it, it's got that kind of authorly, we really want you to think kind of type of tone to it. But no, it appears to just be based on nothing and then attached to Moontrap because I assume it was cheap to do so? I... I have no idea why you would attach anything to the name Moontrap already. Like, what is the cachet that you were trying to get in on for Moontrap? I mean, I don't need to tell you the uh, existence of the market where there's uh, sequels to even the lowest budget shit, just because any kind of name recognition is better than none. I mean, I understand doing shitty low budget sequels, but even then, usually they have something to do with the first one. Uh, I mean, yes, I guess that's technically true. I've always been amazed by when I see these things. They're like, this is a sequel to a movie you've definitely never heard of, and it's also not a sequel to it. Yeah. It's just got the name on there. I mean, the most famous one is probably Troll 2. Yeah. Which, Troll wasn't a movie that needed a sequel. Troll 2 is not a sequel to Troll. <laughs> and it's just, what? What? how did this happen? So, yeah, it's just like, how did this get made? <laughs> How did this get made? Guys, this is bonkers. <laughs> Guys, we hate movies. I need to stop the proceedings right now because I want June to say something crazy and she's not helping. <laughs> oh, are we doing we hate movies as well? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no. I mean, really, this movie belongs in a flop house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time Guys, for the Letters movies. Mailbag song. <laughs> Guys, guys, movie review podcast. So many movie review podcasts. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't really have a good joke for We Hate Movies. It's just four very samey sounding New York fat guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. Instead of these two very samey sounding California fat yes, guys. Yes, exactly. They're, they have four of them, first of all. They have twice as much reviewing power as we do. Uh, I love We Hate Movies, but the only things I have to say about it are negative because they're the only things that stand out. <laughs> like Otherwise, it's a good, fun podcast, but they do have one guy who's always like, Every time he gets even the slightest chance, he goes after. He just does a Trump joke. Good. So anytime there's like fluid on screen, he's like, "Oh, PP tape." Good, great. Like, Thanks, Eric. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually watch the movie, so uh, my my plan here is to just reference PP tape. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell asleep. This guy's drinking a glass of milk, liquid PP tape. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, but I love the show. 
Oh, but it's so good. It really is, because there's three other really good people on it. And also, Eric is quite funny. Ah. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, enough trashing podcasts that are way more famous than us. Indeed. Yeah. We are going to have a little bit of music, and uh, we are going to come back with a full-on, super special, in-depth, I mean, as far in-depth as you can go into this kitty's waiting pool of a movie yeah you're not getting a preview before the music because we need every tiny bit of the buffalo to give you even a half hour description of this oh yeah we are just gonna be scraping that barrel until we are eating splinters Mm -hmm. we will be right back with the full review of moon trap target earth go it's time for moon trap it's time to really really dig into the soil of moon trap really really get in there and cultivate what they were growing <laughs> oh boy so Man, moon trap can i just say can i please am yeah, I i'm allowed, allowed to say i am i am granting you you know what i am duly authorized <laughs> By in the, the power vested in me by the state of California and my my dual ownership with you of the network of System Mastery, <laughs> which is a network now, by the way. It's a we, network. We it's just, a full We network. just decided. Now, sure, every show just has the same two guys on it. Now, sure, you may be thinking, that's just two guys, but... Let me tell you how much that reduces overhead <laughs> if every show is the same two dudes. We pass the savings on to you. Uh-huh. Now, give us money. <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash <laughs> once again john i do allow you to say this movie sh- i was gonna say it should have been like 10 minutes but honestly this movie just shouldn't have no been. it should not be uh, there was a point near the end of this where i looked at you stone-faced tired deadly serious <laughs> and i asked john do you think anyone involved in the production of this film is proud of it <laughs> there's any one person who's like who at least is like well at least i made a film at least there's that. I have to imagine that the director of this film was like, I managed to get a lady to take her top off. Yeah, in out of focus and in it the was background. Out of focus in the background, but not for me. But I could see it. <laughs> That's she, me. She made everyone wear really thick glasses for that shoot. Just, everyone, I need you to wear these glasses. And I'm going to smear Vaseline on them. There we go. Now I'm willing to do a, a extremely terrible nude scene. Yeah, great. Okay, so it opens... Does the film? It opens, sort of. I mean, it might as well. It, it kind of opens. Uh, here's here's how it opens. It creaks open like the door to a haunted house, just <laughs> slowly and noisily. Mm-hmm. A man is standing on an extremely bad CGI moon. He is a bald man in a very cheap spacesuit, the kind that's got the big dome on top. Yeah, uh, he is yelling, and then we cut to a curly haired woman wearing a very open. Uh, roby thing that is somehow both form-fitting and extremely loose at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and she is kind of artfully Tori Amos dancing around a ship, I guess. Then I guess it kind of catches on fire, maybe? And well, the- yeah, the, the ship looks kind of like an egg timer, mm-hmm. and it's flying through space and like starts burning up and then the man says no and then the, i think the the we see the woman reaching towards the camera but she's about to catch on fire and you can tell oh no and then i at that point we we cut to the credits they're the opening credit which is just moon trap target moon, moon earth trap moon trap <laughs> and that that then we go to 
this movie's warehouse where 80% of the film is shot. Yeah. I have to assume that, honestly, most of the shots that were like, oh, this was done outside were actually just they brought some dirt into that warehouse because they do not want to leave that place. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, a, a man is standing in front of a big projector screen. Yeah, there's a big old picture of a, like a head. Yeah, kind of a, looks like a, maybe a, a Buddhist sort of statue heady thing. Yeah, I mean, it really does kind of look like they went and found, like, some plastic Buddha statues and just cut the top of the head off. Yeah, now, to be fair, it's very CG. Like, there's no point in any of this movie where anything looks real. No. Uh, so it's very it's a very CG shot of just a random chunk of dirt with a Buddha head statue sticking out of it. A woman, though. Um, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, assembled members of the press and ladies and gentlemen, what is this? <laughs> what the fuck is this? We, what am I even looking at here? So he is describing this thing, and he's like, it's older than the, the, uh, the Navajo civilization that would have been found around the area. I think we may have discovered prehistoric civilization of a, of a super advanced level. Uh, and then he goes on to list its many properties, like its uh, like hard, hardness. And like, it's, it's, like its bigness. And its, its bigness and its, its hardness. Thickness. Yeah, and its veininess. <laughs> It's two messes. Yeah, that those are the things where the, it gets described as. Yeah, I um, mean the guy is trying to pitch, essentially give me your money. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, we found a, a weird thing in Navajo territory in like Arizona. Can I have dollars to go poke at it? Now, if you were going to be guessing that this was him doing a pitch to nobody because you never see an audience or a crowd, he's just standing in a dark room. You're almost right because there's one person in the audience. His his lover slash research assistant, uh, something or other, Rachel, who insists on being called Scout. Who insists on being called Scout? Like, who as an adult, when someone's like, hello, Rachel, and they're like, you should call me Scout. Now, I, I hate to shoot this down, but I actually know a guy who, oh, who does God. that. Oh, God. Who insists on being called specifically Scout, and it's because he's my old Scout master for my Boy Scout troop. He's a cool dude. He's awesome, actually. See, the thing is, the only thing yeah. I was thinking of, who gets to be called Scout, yeah. is uh, if you're in, what is it, To Kill a Mockingbird? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're well, in yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, if you're, either, if you're, if you're uh, Rumor's brother Scout. Or if you are in the Scouts and you're like, yeah, this is what my life is, and I'm all about it, you can call yeah. me Scout. Yeah, yeah. My, my old Scoutmaster uh, now has a, a hobby of right, of walking the, the really, really big of trails. Walking dogs. He walks like the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail, and he writes books about it and is very famous in hiking circles, and he goes by Scout, and everyone knows him as Scout. Yeah. So I know a guy. Now, this lady, I don't, I don't know. Uh, she just... Here's the thing about this whole scene. This scene is basically... A two-hander, like an, an actual play two-hander. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a claymore. It's a two-hander. Yes. No, you know the term I'm talking about, right? A, a two-hander is just a term for a play that's got two people in it. Uh-huh. it it's a monologue, a duh. <laughs> a duh. A duh. And, it's and, a monologue, a duh. And what I mean by this is that there's no set to speak of. They're just standing in a dark room talking to each other. And also they're acting very hard, which means that every line is too long and there's way too many of them. I hate the acting in this film overall in in totalis mm-hmm. but specifically in this scene it felt like they were really trying to establish the like we have chemistry well this scene so felt every like line gets delivered with like oh is that what you think and i'm like stop stop 
Damn it. <laughs> also, someone's told them not to use contractions because they have a full movie to fill. So a lot, the whole dialogue is basically like, like, ah, yes, because you are my research assistant. Now let me tell you the evening that I believe that I have planned for us. The evening I have planned is that you and I will go on a date, at which point we will enjoy dinner. After dinner, we will perhaps see to the possibility of romance between the two of us. Ah. Uh-huh. I enjoy that plan. The part I enjoy in particular is the part in which I get to eat a meal. For you see, I am quite hungry. And it, it's basically, because it's all shot in darkness, and because they're speaking to each other in full expository romance tones, and every sentence is milked for as much as it can be and stretched out as long as it can, it feels like an audition for Broadway. It Honestly, it just feels like what I assume it was, which is stretching for time, because, I mean, this is a scene that you would definitely have in any given movie about, like, uh, two professionals find some weird alien shit. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I was working on some project that I'm about Late to get pulled off night. to go do alien shit. Mm-hmm. And this is my lover slash assistant. Like, it's very tropey. This is what you would expect. Yeah. But instead of the scene being about a minute long where they establish what they are working on, establish that they have a relationship, and then move on from that, they're like, oh, no we got to milk this for at least, like, six minutes. Well, part of it is because they're denied any aspect of visual shorthand. There's no point where the two of them just kiss to establish that they're together or, or uh, you know, point at a menu to be like, we're going to go out to dinner or anything like that. No, everything has to be fully explained. It's so low-budget two-hander play that I expected it to end with one of them go saying off-screen, oh, waiter, I think I will have that one more root beer. <laughs> and then, like, the seat, the, the lights turn off and the, and the curtains drop. Uh, that's that's kind of what I was expecting at the end of this. I mean, for me, I was just watching this going like, hey, you could have ended this way long ago. Mm-hmm. Basically, the the uh, back and forth of like, oh, I'm going to wine and dine and then maybe some romance. Maybe romance. Blah. Like, there's a little bit of back and forth there. But then they just keep talking about it. They're like, yep. because I am hungry. Oh, really? Well, then we should get dinner for you if you're so hungry. Yes, indeed. And then maybe romance? Yes, indeed. I did say maybe romance. And you're just like, come on. Come on. I, I get it. Everyone got it. You don't need to say the lines like 12 times. So Scout's the only character who matters here. The husband or boyfriend or whatever he is is just generic, low-grade, movie-attractive guy. Don't worry about his name. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Nothing matters in this movie. Mm-hmm. Everything's terrible. Okay, so at this point, they get a phone call, or the guy gets a phone call, right as they're about to have some romance fun times or discuss some secret, some serious Maybe kiss business. once. I don't know. Uh, the guy gets a phone call, he answers the phone call, and it's his friend Martin. And Martin has discovered, oh, it's something that's going to one-up him, and oh, you just wait, you better be watching CNN tonight, because I, boy, howdy, I got a discovery for you. You can... Literally, the entire way through this scene, it shows Martin against a blue-filtered, day-for-night shot background of just some dirt, uh, and it, a heavily digital film. It's, it's, it, it looks like this was shot, the whole movie looks like it was shot for about $50. I really didn't understand the choice of doing that weird blue-filter thing, mm-hmm. because there was no reason for it to be nighttime. Like There was no point where he was like, oh, it's, it is night here, and I have just found a thing, or... Even something within the scene that would require it to be night for a purpose. Yes. Like, you could have just been, no, it's daytime, and he's talking to this guy. Like, who gives a shit? Uh, The blue filter is pretty ubiquitous throughout the film, so I assume maybe it's just an artistic choice that they thought it looked cool. 
But anyway, he can't show what his discovery is, and he can't say it over the phone. So what it is is him being like, oh, it's a big one. It's really worth your time. Are you sure it's worth my time, Martin? Oh, you better believe it. It's the biggest discovery since sliced bread. The biggest discovery since sliced bread, eh? Yeah, the the conversations between literally everyone in this movie just drag on. The whole movie drags on the movie because is, there is nothing here the movie is the visual representation of a director making a circle motion with one finger oh that's yeah. what it, spread it come on keep going spread it out don't no no little more no, we got more, we got more time to fill more, let's go more bit walk slower oh god this is the cheapest movie we've seen since frank and queen it is so cheap everything in this movie is either some like dirt hiking trail that they went to or the inside of this one little warehouse yeah and then eventually some cgi shenanigans that are just trash oh yeah well i mean even that is what is this cgi shenanigans on that's a backdrop to the little desert area we were in before anyway yes or a lot of this movie has the cgi background and character elements of the incredible bulk taken seriously oh god there's there's a scene later in the movie where the main woman is at a diner and it's obvious that the diner is just part of the warehouse set up in the warehouse Uh like come on (laughs) how much would you have had to pay a real diner to be like hey uh when you close down for the night can we shoot for like an hour in here yeah, this movie feels like it was made on no budget because they were trying to save the community center, and the movie's bad enough that they failed, and it's a parking lot now. Oh, this movie, if it was trying to save a community center, like, convinced the bad guy at the last minute to be like, oh, I was going to actually give it back to you, but no, I'm bulldozing this shit. Oh, this needs to be a parking lot for my new mall. I will salt the earth. It turned the bad guy into the good guy. Yeah. The second you see this movie, anything someone rooting against this was doing, you're like, oh, that's probably for the best. Oh, I see his point. They definitely should put an evil people ski school there. <laughs> ah, the evil people ski school. Yeah. The Cobra Kai of ski schools. <laughs> <laughs> ski the leg, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, God. Martin... We once he hangs up, we get to see what Martin's thing is because he walks to a nearby ridge, kind of, and a terrible CGI helicopter goes flying straight up <laughs> in front of him. The the helicopter in this scene was amazing. The helicopter in every scene, every time it appears in this movie, it's amazing. Like he hears helicopter noise because they've got some helicopter noise, mm-hmm. and he's like. Looks over to the ridge, and it's just like someone held up a piece of paper with a helicopter on it and went. They should have just had a guy in a black bodysuit jump by saying, I'm a helicopter. No, just a dude in a black bodysuit holding a toy helicopter going. Would have been a lot better than what this looks like. Okay, so the helicopter goes flying straight up right in front of him, and he goes, ah, okay, okay, all right. Uh, the biggest thing since, and he starts readying his speech. Oh, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for mm-hmm. uh, meeting me here. Yeah, but instead of n- anybody showing up from the news agencies, it's a random evil businessman and his random henchman who kind of looks like Allison Mack, but isn't. <laughs> it Just some random, like, bob-cut blonde lady who is wearing the traditional henchman outfit. Mm-hmm. It was like, what did you do? Oh, this is my businessman, and I am in a black leather jacket. You can tell that I'm the evil kill person. Yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the wet work person. So she's 
She hangs back and doesn't say much, but she is definitely the killer of the two of them. So the dude in the suit is known to Martin. Martin's like, oh, it's you. And he's like, yes, you must have been expecting the alphabet gang. <laughs> and and even for Martin, he's like, the what? Like, I feel like his line was probably uh, kind of, but instead he was like, the what? That's stupid. I'm sorry, what? What? And he's like, you know, ABC, CNN, NBC, TBC, TBN, UPN, TNT, Nickelode- WB, Nickelodeon. <laughs> Nickelodeon has letters in it. Fuck you. Disney Channel. <laughs> Home and Garden. Uh, PBS, QVC, PCP, the BBC, <laughs> Channel Four. <laughs> he just says Dave, the- <laughs> <laughs> FXX, <laughs> the Xier version of FX, the FXier version of Spike, HBO, <laughs> Skinamax. Sorry, I don't even specifically Skinamax. I don't even know how to say Cinemax <laughs> anymore. It's just Skinamax. Everyone now. knows it. Stars. The the more we do this evil guy's voice, the more he becomes Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> and let's be clear, he isn't. He's just a generic British fellow. Oh yeah, he's more he, like hello. He's like, oh my, you must have been expecting the Alphabet Crew. Yeah. Uh, so <sighs> instead, it's us, it, indiscriminate random evil people who work for evil other people, and we don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean. The whole reason that he's there is he's like, oh, I was funding your dig, and of course I have to verify what you found before we publish this on national television. That makes sense, right? Yes. So they walk to a little ridge next to a flat area where there is definitely no dig of any kind because you can see vegetation on the side of the hill. So they didn't dig anything. They They just picked a good spot. Yeah. And from that is sticking a big block of styrofoam. Yeah. What what really looks like a pyramid made out of that uh, cardboard you'd use for display for your mm-hmm. science fair project. Yeah, it's foam pretty core. Much what this is? It's pretty much a big chunk of foam core. Yeah, it's just a just a weird pyramid of foam core mm-hmm. with some drawings on it. Yeah, and it, it, you know, there's the drawings say like the history of California missions from <laughs> 1615. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Here you can see in, in missions San Pueblo. That the Indians, and you're like, oh, please don't. Oh, let's open this thing. Will mold grow on my sandwich? Okay, yeah. You're getting a C for this. All right. (laughs) How much do plants like water? Turns out, a lot. The effects of gasoline on fire. (laughs) Uh, So this huge chunk of foam core stuck half-assedly into the dirt uh, is the big discovery he's made. And oh, oh, let me tell you, this is so old and... It's 14,000 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the best measurements they can make, which I, I don't understand what the measurements are because they can't do anything to it, apparently. It's invincible. Well, yeah, but that's what the ore around it is. Ah, old. yes. Uh, and there is some writing on it. It's a scribble that looks like a picture of a woman's face, and she is very similar to that statue head. Yeah, it's a face and a crescent and some wavity lines and mm-hmm. another pyramid thing. Now, him, Martin, and our evil villain, uh, who d- doesn't get a name in the movie, does he? Uh, he does? Let's just call him Douglas. Yeah, let's du- call him Douglas. Douglas. Very expensive. Yes, he's just... <laughs> uh, the villain and, and Martin go back and forth for a good 
forever uh being like oh you sure if it's all the authenticity i can assure you it's absolutely authentic and here's the thing i think it's the the first evidence of alien life Mm, yes but we wouldn't want to get ahead of ourselves now would we oh Oh. no this is the chariot of the gods are you certain it's authentic yeah touch it just touch this thing it vibrates yes it vibrates it's made of foam core it's vibrating because it's slightly windy (laughs) touch the ground the ground's vibrating hmm it's vibrating because it's also made of foam core. This is the cheapest set in the world. This is just some dirt scattered in the warehouse. <laughs> ah, yes, I see you have warehouse dirt. After a long chunk of irritating business, the businessman, while looking at the uh, at this thing sticking out of the ground, lets his partner Leslie or something know that it's okay to kill him, to kill Martin. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, oh I, I see we have verified... That not only is this an indestructible foam core that you have here and that it's vibrating probably some sort of spaceship, uh, good, thank you for your discovery, and now, if you would please, I'll yes. murder him. And so the woman, the evil Wetworks obvious henchman, takes him out with piano wire, goes around the neck with a groat, and just murders the dude. Just murders the shit out of him. And then, once she's done murdering him to death, she stands up and calls him a goofball. Yeah. Oh, what a goofball. Yeah. And I love that our... Oh, it's Richard. Richard is his name. Richard du- Dick. Richard Douglas. Got it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, how dare you? Don't ever make light of taking a life. What you did was terrible. I'm like, whoa, hold on. But essential, of course. Essential, of course. But don't make light of taking a man's life. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. I'm sad now. Oh. Anyway, it turns I mean, out during the course of this, I'm definitely going to command way more people to be dead, and you know, probably try and kill people myself. But still, yeah, I was surprised when he finally pulled a gun on someone himself. I was like, hey, I thought this guy didn't get his hands dirty, but of course, that would require the movie to have any kind of continuity. Yeah, any sort of internal consistency or give a fuck about any of these characters. But no. So uh, after this dude's killed to death and. Uh, Richard and his henchmen take a good look at the cardboard foam core cutout thing. We cut right back to uh, Scout and Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, who are once again hanging around in a big dark warehouse. Uh, they're almost kind of making out, but they're not, and they're just talking about how their discovery is going to lead to great things if they can just sell themselves on a research grant. It honestly feels like the entire scene that we watched with uh, fucking Martin and Dick and whatnot did like happened outside of this because when we come back to them, it feels like we just immediately go back to the exact same scene because they just sort of pick off, pick up where they left off. Yes, and it's it's the same room because they can't afford another one. Yeah, so they're just in the warehouse. Time has to have passed. Same fucking discussion in the same position they were in last time. Time has to have passed though, because we watched the murder, and that happened at the exact same time when he hung up the phone. Martin stood around for a while and got murdered by Richard. Yeah, and we know it happened like probably way later because at this point someone comes in and is like, "Oh, you've got a a dude who wants to give you money." So we know that Dick has now decided to contact these people. To be his new research team on this. I mean, let's. Let, this is the thing. This dude who comes to tell them that there's someone there who wants to pay them for a job is the least actory person you've ever seen. Like he's just sort of. He has to just be a lighting guy that was it was around. He, he was the Uber driver that they got when they went to the warehouse that day, and they're like, "Hey, can you just walk in and say, uh, Mister Control needs you?" 
Yeah, he gets he is the worst actor in the movie of a, a thousand bad actors. So this Mr. Control guy wants to see them and and they go to I, I think he comes in at first and he's like, "Hello, I'd like to hire you." "Hello, I'm the villain." Hello, uh, I, repre- Hello. I, I represent a bunch of rich people who'd like to give you money for a job. There's uh, a discovery and, ooh, baby, we're going to give you so many dollars. Yeah, now no numbers are used in this movie, so don't don't hope no, for it. No, they're not, they don't go like, but but I don't, what's the number here? What is so many? Yeah. Like, we were planning on pitching this to investors. What exactly are you going to give us more than the investors are? Yeah, not, none of that. We don't get any of that. But he does want them to come and meet the investors. Yeah, and again, this is a, a scene with the investors is another one where I'm like, this is a weird stylistic choice that you have chosen to do. It's just cheap. And I don't understand it because they go to a big like round audience chamber that just sort of looks like your local public library? It looks like the lobby of a hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of, what is this? Uh, a round area with some double doors that lead into it. And, and then there's a second floor that surrounds the same round area, so there's people standing up on the balcony above. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really does, to me, look like someone just took the tables out of the middle of the library and was like, hey, we're going to film here for a hot yeah, second. Yeah, if it was a two-story library with a circular top floor. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. one of those things that happen in old cities where they had libraries that matter and not, you know, California where... Our libraries are one story and very sad. That is true. Uh, but So all three of them walk in, and you can see some people up on... the. For the first time we see this shot, you can kind of see sort of some people up on a balcony behind Richard while he's giving his introductory talk, but they are very clearly not moving. Like, they're fake people, like or CGI, or, or just pictures. Well, the thing is, they're real people. But when we see them, they're entirely hazy. Mm-hmm. None of them are moving. Like, if you really watch the background, occasionally you'll see someone, like, kind of sway a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it honestly just looks like they got a bunch of cardboard cutouts and put them in a circle. Yeah, there is one shot where they finally all move at once, and it's almost kind of, like, the best shot in the movie because you weren't sure if they were just cardboard cutouts or not. Yeah, like, you spend most of the movie, because we see them, like, twice, mm-hmm. and of course, because it is this movie, there is a shitload of business that happens to have it in, happen in any given scene. Yeah. So we're going to sit here for like 20 minutes. So he's just like, hello, I'm, I, of course, your humble servant as always, and I'm here to bring you the new research team, uh, Daniel and uh, Rachel, Scout. Yes, Scout. Scout, yes. yes. That's not childish and stupid. Yes, of course. Mm. Uh. And, and <laughs> so... He basically sells them on doing the research project, but Scout pushes too hard because she's just sort of abrasive and not good at business. Yeah, she's like, hey, how about a fuck you, everybody? Hey, uh, what am I, who, are you, who the fuck are you, is yous? Ah, uh, you guys. Yeah, because, you know, she's dwarf. She's, so she, obviously, she is dwarf. So obviously she's an Italian-American, that's why she talks like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, okay, so they want the two of these people to do a discovery on something. They want them to discover a, har- a thing and do it do it well. Look, we we know that you're the best in your field at uh, deciphering ancient languages, and this weird foam core thing has pictures on it. We want you to decipher it. So we get one shot of the two of them looking at the foam core thing. Man, they end up deciphering this and it's all just fucking scout who does everything because she's has like her a beautiful mind moment where 
they have a layover of like here's a bunch of like numerals and whatnot that mm-hmm. goes flitting across her vision and she just immediately knows what all of these things mean now to be clear well the thing she is deciphering is about seven syllable or uh, symbols yes and she's like oh i figured it out it's this entire love poem to someone from the ancient past and it's like a full page of text. I and go, here, and how the th- fuck did you get that from like seven pictures? Yeah, and they're like, can you translate it? And she goes, of course. Oh, great God, lover of uh, uh, my lover who is a man and is a great God. Oh, no, it doesn't say he's a man. Oh, great God, my lover, I love you across the seas. And it does refer to him as he at one point, but that's it. Across this great river of time, I try to message you and let you know I failed in my duties, but I still love you. Now, about halfway through, they do an artistic flash thing where they replace her face with the the woman who died in the opening scene of the film. Yeah. Obviously. So they're drawing some parallels there, and she finishes the monologue. Uh, and then it cuts back, and Scout's finished giving the monologue, and they're like, so was this a man or a woman? And she's like, it was definitely a woman. I can tell it was a woman. Because, like, because oh. it was a man she was in love with. Duh. Well, yeah, they, I love that. Not only was it like, oh, she deciphered this, she could also decipher the intent behind the words and also who wrote them. Yeah. The fact that they don't call her on this just being bullshit because it's it's like a sentence. It looks like it's the name of the ship. Oh, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it would be like, this ship was piloted by a lady. It crashed. Oops. Like, yeah. That's as much as you could probably oh, get from those pictures. And then I guess the lady got out of the ship and scrawled that into her own indestructible ship using a chisel for some reason instead of like leaving a note yeah i don't i mean that is why you leave a note yeah the the fact that this little fin on this ship has this inscription on it is weird because she dies in the ship Mm -hmm. when it crashes yeah she does her she gets turned into a powder somehow i think she gets like burns up she burns up but her clothes don't which is weird yeah i don't i have no idea what's going on there but but, you know what either either this was inscribed beforehand because she knew she was going to fail or afterwards by her ghost yeah you know it's it's kind of like how they uh, had to change the name of the titanic because originally it was the uss definitely going to sink i guess it was the ss it's not a united states ship no it was it was uh the whatever the british one is yeah uh uh, just ss i think ah yes hms is it hms hms majesty's Secret boat service. It's, yes, HMSBS. Uh, yeah, Her Majesty's, HMSBS. <laughs> Her Majesty's secret boat service is what the Titanic... Ah, a yes, big I, secret it was. It was a stealth boat. I remember. It's my favorite Bond movie on Her Majesty's secret boat service. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the Titanic, uh, if it was originally called the HMS, definitely going to sink after hitting an iceberg. Because that's this thing literally flew to Earth with a message about how it was definitely going to fail inscribed on it. Yeah, it's it's already got the apology letter on the ship. Yeah, so <laughs> God damn it! Uh, at this point, the rich people these are supposed to just be infinitely rich people it's who, by the way, like the Illuminati, who by the way speak entirely in off-screen voices. Like you don't see who's talking ever. Yeah, again, that was that was the weird directorial choice that I was talking about. Is not only is it just a circle of people that are so blurred out and immobile that you think they are cardboard cutouts, but all of their voice work is just like 80 yard in. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't dissuade you from thinking that these are just cardboard cutouts. No, in fact, if anything, it reinforces it. So you're just like, God. So these are people who are like, are you certain that that is the translation? 
Yeah, of course. I 100%. I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Your work is completed. And at this point, my favorite line, a large amount of money has already been deposited into your accounts. Good. Great. I love getting paid that way. When shadowy organizations just make money appear in my bank account. Yeah. That's great. That's the best way to get paid. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Illuminati just goes, eh, money's in your account now. Not like they check or anything, but this isn't good enough for Scout. It is for Daniel. Oh, Daniel's like, sweet, we're done. Peace out. Thank you. That is a job, and I have done a job. Yeah, but Scout's like, no, fuck you. You got to let us continue to work on this. I got to be the one who makes the discovery. I have ego. <laughs> and they're like, they're, that the looks- The living planet? That's weird. Why <laughs> do you have that? <laughs> that looks bad on you. Be more humble. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> that looks bad on you. Why don't you smile more? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So, they they fight with the uh, the invisible voices for a couple of seconds, but eventually the voices are like, no, Mr. D- Mr. Uh, Richard, or whatever your last, Contrell. Contrell. Mr. Contrell, this would be a good time for you to escort these miscreants out of here. <laughs> and they finally leave after Daniel's like, oh my God, shut up, we're leaving. Like, all you are doing is yelling at people, what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah. They go back to their warehouse and... Where? The warehouse. Thank you. <laughs> God damn it. I got you to say a really old commercial. I know. That place hasn't existed in a while. It's a long time. It has been long time ago. You can always tell if you see an old warehouse, because now it's a CrossFit. <laughs> uh, so they get to the warehouse, and a dude that is in the movie for like this scene is in there. Apparently, there's another assistant. No, he's the same guy. He's the same guy who was like, "These guys want to pay you a lot of money." It's that same act. Nobody actor. Oh, okay. It's his name's like Kurt or something in the movie. They've also he's also watched the two of them also make out at this point, like behind a movie screen, so that they look all big when they start making out. And he's like, "Those crazy kids." Oh no, that happens in that. That's that was right. That is this scene. He is getting ready for a party. He has balloons and a dumb party hat, and he's going to spend the next eighteen minutes polishing a bottle of champagne with a rag. Yep. Because they're going to come in and do a bunch of business about like, oh, we're not going to celebrate, but we definitely need to drink. I'm grumpy. We got paid a lot of money, though. It's in our account. The Illuminati put it there. And because they don't give him anything else to do, and because this is a fucking play, uh, Kurt there is just polishing a bottle of champagne with a rag calmly in the background for a good 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's supposed to be, oh, he's trying to, like, work the cork off, I guess, in this champagne. Mm -hmm. But what it looks like is he has just taken a rag and is rubbing the neck of this bottle forever. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just sitting back there like he's dazed off, and the last thing he was doing is what his brain is making him do now. If he had focused in on him, he would have ended the play in another way, a great way to end a play. He would have been like, ha, the first line of the play. (laughs) Ha, ha. And then the and then the thing fades out. <laughs> uh, but instead, the two of them just sort of argue at each other about what they should or should not have done. And then they make up to go make out. Yeah, they have a giant screen, which is where the like head was projected and whatnot. Before. In fact, this is my favorite thing: the head projection turns off in the middle of the scene. It just goes clunk, and it's just a big gray screen now. And he's like, "Huh? I wonder what happened there. I should go solve that." Hey, uh, I'm going to go solve it. Come help me. And Kurt's like, okay, boss, not you. I want Scout to come help me. Just Scout to come help me. And so the two of them leave together, go behind it, don't try to fix it, just make out. 
Yeah, and of course it's one of those things where the light projection is coming from the back. I guess. So you just see their silhouettes making out. Why is he using such an old-ass projection system? I do not know, but whatever. So we get to watch their giant shadows start making out, and Kurt's like, oh, those crazy kids. And then in comes Murder Lady. Yeah, in comes uh, Allison Mack again. It's not her, though, It's no. but, it, but it isn't her. It just looks like her. And, She's got uh, the same like haircut and nose. So, you know... A fucking what's his nuts goes and opens the door and she just shoots him and then with i could not tell that she had shot him because that gun makes the a noise like a nerf gun would make oh it just kind of goes boop 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 thunk, 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 thunk. it's it's insane that it's supposed to be a gun yeah so she kills him with something and he falls over and the movie can't afford to have him die so even though she apparently shoots him point blank several times in the stomach with a machine gun he suffers no wounds he just falls over and she has to yell out to try and get their attention like she machine guns the screen Mm -hmm. and they fall to the ground and hide under the half the screen and then she kind of does like i have to make sure that this seems like it's an accident that i'm just uh, privy to and she's like oh no someone help help the the gunfire oh no and then when no one responds she pours a small amount of water from a gas can onto kurt (laughs) throws a lit cigarette at him and then the world's worst CGI fire starts. And then she walks away because obviously a dude who was on fire by himself in the middle of a concrete floor in an all-concrete and steel warehouse will definitely set the warehouse on fire. Oh, yeah. Fire. Well, that this ought to take care of everything. Yeah, she says, walking away, having done everything that seems to be necessary for a contract killing, yep. like yelling help and lighting the first dude she shot on fire and not checking the room. Yeah, not going over to the movie curtain thing that fell to go look at the people that she was supposed to kill. Yeah, and... Because the only one she makes sure is dead is the person that did not matter and did not help on the project. Yes, and and also she doesn't start a fire big enough to... It's a perfect contract kill. Clean and and, uh, faultless. Yep, no problems here. She is a consummate professional. Mm Mm-hmm, consummate Vs. So, uh, Dick has, meanwhile, gotten some computer guy to set up imaging equipment so they can see what the actual fuck is going on underneath the earth. And the computer guy who lives, I guess, in a food truck, uh, a fake food truck, computer truck, starts the only running theme throughout the course of this movie that matters, which is uh, really poorly landed blowjob jokes. (sighs) Jesus Christ. I don't know why... At this point in the movie, when we're at least a third of the way done with it, they've decided, oh, you know what this movie needed was a constant reference to blowjobs. Now, we're 45 minutes into the review and about 45 minutes into the movie, and no one has done anything in space yet, and really nothing's happened. The back of the uh, Blu-ray thing for this talks about a woman getting trapped in the past mm-hmm. and having to do something to like uh tell the future or whatever so my first assumption was oh she's the lady who's in the ship like this is a closed loop time travel thing yeah and she's gonna have to write that message and the my god lover or whatever is just a bad translation of her apologizing to like daniel mm-hmm. and that's the thing that i thought was going to happen but instead, nothing did. Yeah, nothing happens. I want to speed this up here, if I may. It's very easy to, because at this point, uh, because I want to get to the moon. Yeah, Daniel gets shot by uh, the same helicopter, shitty CGI helicopter that just kind of goes. Broop. 
I love that that shot because the two of them are watching from a ridge. They're watching from a secret ridge, trying to watch fucking Richard evaluate the spaceship again, along with some random strangers or something. And he decides to stand up for a close look, and Richard goes, "Oh, there they are! Helicopter, hey. shoot him! Hey, kill that guy!" And this causes the helicopter's still there. This causes Scout to go, "No!" and like lie down on his body and sh- and yell and stuff. And they don't just shoot her too. They don't go after her the helicopter doesn't shoot her yeah the fucking contract killer lady doesn't kill her nothing happened instead she runs away and winds up at a diner for one scene yeah in a diner that is obviously set up in the warehouse uh she sits there looking all disheveled and messed up in in a where in, in this one seat yeah and then uh, talks to a you know one of the waitress ladies the, who... the waitress who walks up to hassle her for being there and is <laughs> this shot is shenanigans she goes uh you have to order something to be able to sit in one of the booths coffee we're out of coffee the here's pr- a free sunday yeah we're out of coffee because the president ordered illegal drilling in this area there's some sort of spill in the water so our water is messed up and that means we can't have coffee for some reason so here's a free ice cream sunday she she's what what is this ah. you, you look like you're sad you should have this ice cream sundae. I'm like, then why were you fucking hassling her in the first place? And I love the part where she sits down to try and be nice, and the first thing she says is snot, and the character who has no snot wipes away her no snot, and then she goes, tears, and the char- and, and uh, Scout, who has never cried in her fucking life, is wipes aw- dabs away nothing from uh, her eyes. I can't stop them. I can't stop the tears I definitely don't have. I can't stop the tears I don't have is the ultimate Morrissey album title, by the way. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so also, two- this is another blowjob joke where she offers her a job and is like, oh, you could, if you're down on your luck, you could work here. And the, the guy who owns it isn't so bad as soon as he realizes you won't blow him. I'm like, yeah. please stop. And then someone from off screen shouts, hey, can I get some coffee? And she's like, take it up with the president. And then she exuents the movie. And uh, Scout manages to go back in one more of those fucking scenes with the Illuminati Mm -hmm. where Richard's like, oh, it's probably a spaceship that was built here, not aliens. Uh, And they just kind of go, nah, blow it up. Fuck it. No, we don't care. Blow it up. Because if Earth discovers what it is, then it will upset the balance of power that we so precariously enjoy. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, we already control the masses and we would lose our control if they knew that there was a spaceship here for some reason. And it's weird to me that this dude isn't like hired to stop anything from happening. Then, if if their only purpose is to maintain the status quo, then he should probably be on board with that already. Like, because every job he's ever done for them is like someone's about to discover cheap fuel, blow it up. Okay, well, someone's about to build an interesting solar farm, stop it. Yeah, and you'd think that they would be like, oh, we're the Illuminati. We should take this fucking ship and like get tech from it or do whatever. But no, they're just like. Oh, yeah, it's the super indestructible ship. Blow it up somehow. Yeah, nuclear uh, blowing it up is mentioned. And Richard has to be like, you have no idea the kind of things I have access to. Of course I can nuclear blow it up. Well, when they were talking about you couldn't drill into it with a diamond, he was like, oh, they would take a nuclear drill tip. To prove that it can't be drilled into with a hammer or with a drill, some random woman attempts to hit it with a hammer. Oh, it's the contract killer lady. Oh, is but it? okay. my favorite thing in this, both this uh, fucking scout shows up at the end of this scene that we were talking about, and there's more blowjob business, but she gets punched. Whenever anyone does one of those, I need to hit a thing, but I don't want to actually do it, 
it's so obvious that like the hammer kind of comes down and then you can see her stop and then just gently drop the hammer mm-hmm. off screen. Yeah, that's basically and what the punch against Scout is also like swing, stop, lightly touch you. Yeah. But the thing where it's like this is she goes, "Boss, look at this." She said and pulls a hammer out of nowhere and hits the spaceship with it. And then she's like, "Look at that." Like what is she displaying to him? The ha- the thing's made of rock. What are you doing? Also, that was before they had even uncovered anything. She was just sort of hitting the dirt. Yeah, she was just punching the dirt with a hammer to, a, as a display. Look, my my hammer hit this dirt. Nothing happened. Yeah, of course it well, didn't. It, so it turns out that hurting Scout on the deck of the spaceship, and the reason she's there at all is they've managed to kidnap her uh, and drag her there. They were going to kill her. Like, but they're, they're, it turns out he was on the phone with his fucking tech guy, and yeah. as soon as... Uh, the camera caught sight of her. The ship went crazy. So, yeah. oh, so, we need to bring her because Richard doesn't give a fuck what the Illuminati says. Yeah. He wants a spaceship. He wants a free spaceship. So he drags her there. But it turns out that hurting her on the deck of the spaceship, which apparently is in love with her already, causes the dumbest robot in the world to come out. Yeah, a fucking Rock'em Sock'em Bionicle shows up. He looks like he's there for the stunt show Bionicle at like Legoland or something. And... Like, fucking Dick drops into the ship, and the red Bionicle shoots shitty CGI lightning lasers out of its eyes and kills the contract killer. Mm -hmm. Who has originally put her gun down and tried to walk away. She's like, no, I don't want to be a part of any of this. Nope, nope, fuck this. Peace out, robot. But then she flips it the bird, which is the universal (laughs) sign for shoot me with lasers, please. Oh, yeah, she was walking away. The robot did nothing. She turned back around, flipped the bird, and then the robot was like, well, fuck you then. Fuck me, fuck you. So it lasers her, and, and she just sort of falls down. Yeah, and then fucking Scout gets dragged into the ship and is knocked unconscious. So now we're on the spaceship, and Richard's not dead. He gave a big old monologue, and he's like, Cold power, that's the that, that's the key. Cold fusion will give me control over the Earth. And then he disappears into the ship. Yeah. But he's just there, observing. Yeah, so they're flying to the moon. They're and flying to the moon. They de- definitely get there, but before they do, there's got to be the nude scene where the robot forces scout to get undressed and put on the weird red dress from the beginning of the movie that the other lady was in and we do the richard has to explain what's happening because she's like i don't understand why you offer me a piece of red fabric and he's like that's a fancy fetish dress you're expected to wear and the director's really into it yeah so she gets undressed it the most embarrassing nude scene where it's all focused on Richard instead, and and, and she's off in the background getting yeah, it's undressed. Just the profile of Richard, and he'll occasionally like move forward so his head covers her up, yeah, and then move back again so we can still see her butt. Yeah, uh, uh, so she changes clothes into this outfit. It's it sucks. It's and this isn't even her only nude scene. There's also one where she has to walk naked towards a random spaceship guy in the nude on the moon, <laughs> and you could just see her butt in because they they basically just black her out using lights. Yeah. Ugh, for poor, poor actor. Um, okay, so th- Richard's very clearly learning how to fly the spaceship. Like, he is watching the, the robot fly the spaceship. So that's that's his thing. Yeah. When they get there, fucking Red Robot is like, hey, you, put on this spacesuit. We're going out on the moon. And she's like, she spends a good three minutes monologuing, but she's like, well, I, you already made me wear this red dress. I guess it's not that much more unusual for me to wear an ancient spacesuit an ancient spacesuit that you're making me wear in addition to this red dress. Oh, my God. Just, oh. Everything. The business in this is too much business. This movie dares you not to look at your phone. And, 
of course, when the ship landed on the moon, a blue robot, which I guess is evil robot? There's no explanation for what the fucking blue robot is doing here. You occasionally see it standing around near the other spaceship guy, the bald guy in the spacesuit that's also on the moon. But there's no explanation of what it is or why it's evil or anything. Yeah, because the bald guy is just the guy who's going to be in the fucking Liaman's tiny hut. Yeah, he's in the freezer doodle at the very end. We know. I know. The listeners don't know. Why would they watch this? But it makes no sense for the blue robot to be like, ah, yes, I was the guardian of, like, the dude that's already on the moon, and I guess I need to kill the only person that this dude loved. (laughs) That seems to be the case, yeah. So the blue robot wakes up on the moon and very painfully walks across the surface of the moon. When these things are walking, it is... I mean, I will tell you this now. There is, in this scene when this is walking, in later scenes when the red robot is walking, and especially when Scout is walking towards anything, it is just the barest shuffle-forward fucking waste-of-time walk that I don't... I don't get it, because at least with the robot, you're like, oh, it's a shitty robot, it has to kind of shuffle around, whatever. But with, like, Scout, you go, oh, here's a giant crazy discovery on the moon. Well, don't run towards it or anything, don't move quickly, have no urgency to get there. And also no apprehension. There's no sense that she's walking fearfully towards a thing that she's unsure of. No, she's just it's sort of just, sauntering slowly. It's just slow. That's the, That was the... The I mean, actor that is choice. this movie. Yeah. The movie is just slow. So, Blue Robot shows up and starts using its eye lasers to try and fuck up the spaceship. Uh, Red Robot responds by, like, blasting vent cores or something and, and knocks the Blue yeah, Robot it, over. It frog blasts the vent core. Yeah. Then, Blue and... and Oh, sorry. Red and, and Scout leave the spaceship, and they leave Richard in the spaceship. Uh... Richard and, and uh, Scout have never become friends. He oh. keeps trying to talk to her, and she keeps being like, I'm, I'm not going to kill you because... No, I, I was going to murder you because you killed my lover, but uh, fuck you. And he's like, oh, I thought we were friends. And she's no, like, why no. why would you think that? No, we're not friends. But the moment, obviously, that, that Robot and Scout get off the ship and start wandering around on the moon, he just takes off in the ship. He's just like, sweet, free spaceship, that's all I wanted. Thank you and goodbye. But I think the blue robot must have fucked it up because it's going to crash. Yeah, he... Fucking flies through the sky with the greatest of CGs. And oh, then... the CG. It's the same shot five times. It's, it's oh, what, what would it look like if the spaceship was flying? Like this. What if it was, what would it look like if the spaceship was flying from the top? Oh, like this. Yeah. It, we had to 3D model this, so you're going to see it from every possible angle. Ugh. And he eventually loses control and crashes the ship back onto the moon. Where it falls apart into big rocky chunks. Which blows it up somehow, even though it originally crashed on Earth and didn't blow up. Whatever, fuck it, I don't care. Who cares? The two, the other two have to go walking across the moon. Red Robot fights Blue Robot, and in Red Robot's chest he has a Nerf football that's been painted purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, the thing from, from uh, Transformers. It's the spark. Yeah, except it's a fucking Nerf football. Yeah, it's a crack, crackly Nerf, Nerf football. Uh, Blue Robot gets his face torn off. Which uh, fucks Blue Robot up, and he's, he's very sad. He's very sad, although he can still move around. He just doesn't have a face. So he goes off in search of a face, uh, and Red Robot dies because Blue Robot shot him with lasers so many times. So he gives his Nerf football to, to Scout, and then she very slowly walks across the moon until she encounters another statue head, just like the statue head in the Navajo country that we never saw anything but a picture of. And wouldn't you know, on its forehead, there's a little indentation that is 
the perfect size for a purple Nerf football. And, and then she painfully climbs up the side of it because the moon has heavier gravity than Earth, apparently. Oh, yeah. She's just, like, real struggling to get up there because, as we all know, Earth is two, t- or the moon is two times Earth gravity. It's also twice the size of the Earth. It's a well-known documented fact that Earth, that the moon is huge, and yet it orbits us anyway because it is submissive. Well, yes. And, I mean, it, it looks... Small, but that's just because it's far away. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite that's, large. I learned that in Sesame Street. This one shot is its weird because up until this point, you'd be kind of ignoring the moon and like, oh, she should be moving way faster than that. Or maybe she's moving slowly because she doesn't want to bounce around so much because you weigh so little on the moon. But then she has to climb a small amount. She has to climb about five feet off the ground. And the grunting. Oh, yeah. She is making a real big show of how difficult it is to climb barely off of the ground and mm-hmm. shove this fucking football into the head of this thing <sighs> so she does so she shoves the football into the thing she's on the moon by the way and the moon looks shitty thank you thank you uh at this point the head glows and lights up and <laughs> shoots a gold laser beam that terraforms the moon it turns instantly. the sky gold for a while and then blue yeah it's just what happens uh my beam shoots up it encompasses the moon you kind of pass out for a hot second and wake up and all of the moon is terraformed. And also, while it's doing that, it grows up out of the ground, does the head, and it's not on top of a body, it's on top of a public bathroom building. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be like, oh, this is going to like get out of the ground and be a giant robot. But no. No. It's just on top of a little fucking hut. Yeah, it's on top of what looks like a place where you would buy a corn dog. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, and the little hut... <sighs> has a door with a button you can press to open the door with a handprint on it. And Scout, who is about 15 feet away from it, walks towards it for 45 minutes. (laughs) God damn it. And by the time she gets there, it has allowed Blue Robot to steal Richard's face. And part of his personality, because it's still talking to her. Oh, yeah. Like, it shows up and he's like, on your knees. Oh, by the way, he says on your knees a lot in a British accent that makes it sound like he's saying oniony. Onionies. Onionies. And she's like, what? I believe you heard me. I said onionies. You know, it's very oniony. Yeah, that's a, it's a food we enjoy here in Great Britain, the onionies. The a un- big, onionies. A, a big bag of onionies, please, we say. <laughs> Thank mm. you. Mm, yes. We eat it with HP's brown sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Blue Robot attacks her, and she literally smacks it away, and she jabs her thumbs into his eyes, yeah. and that fucks him up. Oh, it blinds him. Yeah. And then she literally is like, I'm over here, and, she, and he's like, ah, I will enjoy killing you, beep, boop, and, and, and kind of moves towards her until she closes the door on him, which cuts his Yeah, cut she just rancors him, yeah. and he dies. He gets rancored and dies. It's a very anti-climb. It was like a waste of time. Yeah, and, and then Mr. It, Clean is standing there inside of some red la- or blue laser light. Like, yeah. He's in a little blue laser fence, is Mr. Clean. Oh, this is the guy. This must have been who the letter was for. So she takes off her spacesuit, and she's still wearing that dress, and she gets next to him, and now she's surrounded by red laser light. And I don't know why. So the whole point of him being here, we're like, oh, he was going to the moon, and he wanted to terraform the moon because the earth was going to be the target of apparently some cataclysmic event yes which apparently happened because it wiped out their their advanced civilization yeah i mean i guess i don't know they were riding dinosaurs this was dino riders yeah they had t-rexes with fucking laser beams on them Mm -hmm. yeah and big old battle bases that you hung off the side of a diplodocus yeah yeah 
but no, instead, they had to go to the moon to terraform. The two of them just needed to fly to the moon in their cool, super advanced spaceships. Uh, but she failed somehow and just stayed on Earth. Yeah, she crashed into Earth. She never made it to the moon to help terraform it there. Yeah, so he's just been waiting there in stasis in a red laser field because apparently... I don't even know what his purpose is, because the moon was terraformed the moment she pressed the button at all. Oh, yeah. She shoved the fucking football into the head, and the moon got terraformed. It did nothing to her. Yeah. Like, it's not like he needed to be in the stasis field in the little hut, because the terraforming process would fuck him up. So she gets next to him in the red laser light, and then we would look at the two of them for a long time, uh, and then finally we kind of get an explanation, which is like, Oh, a cataclysm was going to happen, so we were going to terraform the moon, and we built a device to do it, but we couldn't get it done, and now you're getting it done. And then we pan out from the little public bathroom building with a, with a statue head on it, Ugh. and there's a note that, from Scout that says, uh, whole free planet, use it carefully, Oh, yeah, Scout. it's just, uh, try not to mess this one up, yeah, Scout. Scout. And there's parts of Red Robot and Blue Robot, and that dress are all just kind of lying there, and that's the end of the movie. I don't understand anything about the end of this movie mm. because what the fuck was the point they're like oh we terraformed the moon well that's lovely who gives a shit and it, by, it, oh, also when they're panning out a single plant grows there good who gives a How shit did it get there i mean i'm sure they turned the whole planet to or the whole moon to good dirt instead of the loose powdery soil it is right now that is not soil at oh, all yeah part of the the big gold laser was turning the planet habitable in addition to just having an atmosphere but not habited it just turns into everything to dirt and sky which doesn't make it it must have pumped out a lot of oxygen because there's no plants making it on the planet and then when it, pa- it pans out there indeed there is one single plant grows in the dirt and by by which i mean there's a photo of a plant cl- uh, clumsily superimposed over the cgi moon dirt <laughs> yes <sighs> Jeff? Uh, yeah, yeah, how can I help you? Jeff, I really hated this movie. <laughs> this was atrocious. Like Th- this, this was painfully difficult to watch. It was. It was extraordinarily rough. I, like, I'm, I know we normally do the tell me your, your best and worst. In I'm this. all set for that if you want to hear it. Sure, man. Tell me your best. Because I don't. No. Pass. Okay. It's pass. Hard pass. There's nothing. There's <laughs> hard pass on best. Even even the nude scene in this movie and as a re- as a resident big old perv of this de- of this podcast, you'd think I'd enjoy a nice nude scene, but no, it's unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, it's unpleasant because the character does not want to be naked. It's one of those she's getting undressed and quickly covering everything and then covering everything in a different way. It's like as if she had just turned back from the giant lizard into the character who turned into the lizard in Rampage and is trying to sneak off screen without oh, you Lizzie, seeing her bits. Yeah, yeah Lizzie. It's it's just gross, and I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, like I would say that the actual person who plays Scout is in horror movies. There's yeah, a, Sarah Butler, I think is her yeah, name. Yeah, she's in the I Spit on Your Grave series. Okay, uh, that's a remake of the old I Spit on Your Grave movies. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, when she first showed up, I was like, fuck, I know you from somewhere. What do I know you from? And I saw that, and I mean, I will say she's. Probably the best actor in the film. Which I, it's either that. Much. It's either that or, or Richard. Richard. Yeah. Richard's fine as a random British villain. He also kind of reminded me of people I've seen in things. Yeah, but fucking, like I would say that at least recognizing someone was the best thing. But it just made me sad for her. Honestly, realizing that she's from horror movies makes me realize that this is probably the third cheapest movie we've seen. Because Frank and Queen would be the cheapest, and then the second cheapest would be Goth. 
which we haven't talked oh, yeah. about in forever. No. Uh, so so goth, starring someone named Penny Dollar or something like that, who uh, was described as a, as a scream queen who's in a bunch of other movies. And I'm like, no, she isn't. No. No, she wasn't. No. No. It, uh, no. Yeah. So this might be the third cheapest movie. Yeah. Which, uh, okay. What's the worst, worst part, though? Worst thing for you, Jeff, tell me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best here to not just say, you know, like, the CGI or... No, give me... A scene. A scene that is Break the Break it down to one bit of the movie that was uh, the worst. All right. It's going to be the first time that Richard goes to talk to, like, the evil council or something. Okay. And it's like, why are these... What is this? It's like cheap overhead voices projected down from a bunch of cardboard cutouts of, of people. What What is... Why, why, are we, why is he just on the phone? <laughs> Could we just have him on the phone? I mean, if you're going to do the here's the evil Illuminati council up above me mm-hmm. scene, have it be people... Like and have them in masks if you want it to be like ooh you don't know who them are they are and also you can still ADR in voices because you can't see lips moving and you could just use the crew or something and save a couple of bucks on having to pay actors and it would have been fine but no it's just it uh, was a bad I, decision over I'd also say an honorable mention to the warehouse as as a thing <laughs> just the fact that this entire movie is shot in a dark warehouse yeah but you what's what's the worst thing in the film definitely for me the worst single bit in this movie is Scout walking towards the hut. Oh, that's, yeah, because it takes forever. I would also have thrown it to the diner, which does nothing. I mean, the diner did nothing, but at least the, like, waitress wasn't terrible. Yeah. Like, her dumb business was pointless and stupid, but at least watching her, things were happening on screen. Her dumb business was pointless and stupid, by the way. Second best Morrissey (laughs) album. (laughs) Uh, But Scout's walk to the hut is just like, here's a good... I want to say at least two minutes of her, because we see the hut before she even gets on screen, mm-hmm. and we're just sort of lingering on the entrance to this hut, and she just slowly walks into frame. Yeah, she appears from bottom right and just slow, and just keeps just slowly slow. walking. Maybe she'll make it someday. Oh fuck me! It was that was the personification of this movie, which is nothing is happening. Here's something happening. No, it isn't. Yeah. This is the kind of movie where they where they would be like, this scene needs to be five minutes long. We have two minutes of dialogue. And what we have as well is a director making a circle motion with his hand. Well, it's, I mean, it's honestly the exact same thing as when we reviewed fucking Frankenqueen, which is, what is this? A dude walks around the house for fucking ten minutes. Twice. He just walks around the house, and then we cut back to the beginning of him walking around the house and watch him walk around the house again. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that is 100% what is going on here. Yeah, They're like, except, oh, we need this to be feature length. But this movie's lacking a, a Papa got a soak, so. <laughs> there is very little in the way of quotable lines. Yeah, that where, where Frank and Queen had not only Papa got a soak, but also, that's, that's cool, cool about, about my, my brain. brain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to rate this movie from zero to, I'm going to assume zero, and that'll give us our rating out of ten. Yeah, Jeff. yeah it's going to be one of the rare zeros because it's not a movie at all. It's just a bunch of shit that's stretched out over about 80 minutes for no reason. Yeah, I can I can assume we're both giving this a zero. Yeah, do not watch this. This is not a film. I think this is our second full-on zero out of ten movie after Frank and Queen. Uh, yeah, I think there's at least one more, but yeah, no, we're, go, go right ahead. And, uh, Jesus Lord, this is punishment. This is torturous yes this is so i mean the only thing that kept me sane with trying to watch this is the fact that we were at least eating shitty oreos oh yeah 
I I definitely got some some new Oreo flavor to try. It wasn't gross enough for for a Who Eats This Cheap, cheap Shit episode. No, so. it wasn't super gross. I actually sort of enjoy them. Jeff does not. Yeah, the the strawberry shortcake Oreo tastes like children's toothpaste. I'm gonna. I hated it. But I would have been able to go on about it at length for a Who Eats This Cheap Shit episode, but there needed to be consensus. Where I was eating mega stuff Oreos, a level of stuff heretofore undreamed of. Which is just their new name for double stuff, apparently, because it wasn't that much more stuff in there. But I did make one that had seven double stuff uh, a disc fra- or a discs of creme within. Yeah, Jeff taking a bite out of his seven stack double stuff Oreo was enough to make me throw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> I don't understand why. It's just creme. Ugh. Ugh. Delicious creme. Oh my god, you're you're making me sick just thinking about it. The thing about that that level of creme, which is 14 regular Oreos worth of creme, is that at a certain point while you're building it, it's exposed to the air and it starts to discolor and get dusty. So by the time you're eating it, it's like you're eating a giant ionic Greek column that's got oh, like old dust like and shit all over it. Fucking this speckled gray goo mass in between <laughs> Two sad, useless cookies, and you just bite into it, and it squishes out the side, and everything's terrible. And I had plans when I bought bit into it. I went to the top layer first, because this thing was about two, in- two inches and a half tall. I went to the top layer first and put a bite into the cookie layer, then left it behind, went down to the bottom, repeated the process so that I could take a clean bite of the thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Movie Mastery. Uh-huh. Uh, we have, of course, loved doing this. And if you loved listening to it, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery. We are the system mastery network now, apparently. Yeah, we're, the, we're, a, we're, we're a network. We're a network within a different network. <laughs> Networks within networks. Actually, I don't think this show counts as being on, the, on no. a network. So there you go. This is, this this is, is our own system network. mastery network. So if you want to pitch shows to us, don't. <laughs> Please do not. We'll, we'll call you. But yeah, uh, if you support us on patreon.com slash system mastery, it lets us Continue to do what we do, expand what we do. Perhaps someday there will be bonusy content for this as well. We've got new bonus content that's come up. We've got our Afterthought show. If you ever listen to that, it is now back yeah, at a five, monthly level for $5. $5. You get that monthly episode of Afterthought just the way you remember it. Yeah, and uh, of course you can join our Discord, and if you are at the $5 level, there are a patrons-only feed there, and the afterthought only one so you get exclusive access to us and the other elite members <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure you don't post in there anymore you will you post all be anywhere else. filtered to the point where you're just blurry in the background and no one will be able to tell if you're cardboard cutouts anymore because that's the level of elite you are yes it's expected that if you want to talk to us in the afterthought channel you wear a robe and an eyes wide shut mask yes that's the that's the level of decorum to which we are accustomed uh, and of course you can check out all of our other podcasts, everything we do at systemmasterypodcast.com and, you know, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Gmail. Yep. All that we are. If you just Google system mastery, you will find a shitload of our business. Same thing with Duckman RPG, which I love. <laughs> so thank you so much. We'll be back with in another couple weeks with another movie mastery, but until then you have a good one. <laughs>